God, every last one of us here has had wilderness-type moments in our lives. Some of us here this morning are in the middle of a wilderness moment in our lives. And so, God, we ask that we would be comforted by your word today. We ask that you would remove me from the equation. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place to do the work that only you can do. So, God, we ask to speak faithfully to our people. Speak to us, to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls. It's in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so here's the deal. A lot of you got kids around, okay? Maybe you have grandkids in the vicinity. vicinity. I don't know, so I don't want to call you out too bad, but we're going to go down the discussion of fake IDs, okay? Fake IDs. And uh, I kind of want to know if you ever had one, okay? This may be problematic with your child sitting next to you. So an 8 a.m. service, we didn't have a whole lot of kids, so I could just have them put their hands up, okay? And uh, wow, there were a few hands that went up that I was like, wow, you work for the government. I don't know, you know, but whatever, okay? Uh, So all I'm going to ask is when I say ready, set, go, I just want you to just kind of blink kind of fast, okay? So just play it cool. Blank cool, no one's got to notice. If you ever had a fake ID, blink fast now. God, some of you just put your hands up too. That was amazing. Just then, it was like a single piece of dust just, just flew through over here, and all of a sudden we had this happening during this whole section over here. Okay, that was great. Okay, so fake IDs, all right? Now, if you look back on it like, Whatever drove you to do that, whether you had a good fake ID or a horrible fake ID, there was access to something that you wanted before, you really should have had access to whatever that possibly was, you just had to have that, that, uh, that opportunity, that whatever was uh, representing you actually wasn't real, it wasn't your true identity, right? Um, what we're going to talk about is this idea of what's a fake ID and what's a real ID, okay? Because even if you can remember back, I know for me personally, When I finally turned 21, it was like a badge of honor. Yes, sir, I am. There it is. Okay, thank you, kind sir, right? And then there was this weird moment when I hit about 24, 25, where I kind of was insulted. Yeah, I'm 21. Yes, okay, here. You know, like, I've been doing this now three or four years. Look, okay, yes, I'm old enough. No, I'm not a teenager, right? And so there's like this period where it's insulting. But there's a moment that when you get old enough, when someone asks for your ID, it's a good feeling. It's a real good feeling, okay? Like my sister Erin, when she turned 21, we went to Chili's. And we went to Chili's, here she is, she turns 21 years of age, and not only do they not give her the drink menu, the adult drink menu, they gave her the kids menu. That's 12 and under, okay? Switch those digits, I kid you not, but that gene pool is now working in her favor to this day, okay? So, all of a sudden, there's a moment where it feels kind of good, and I can tell you that if I go clean-shaven, all right, I heavily moisturize, there's still a chance every so often, okay? What's real and what's not? What's the real identity? What's the fake ID? The scripture that we've been looking at at Acts 1-8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I highlighted a few words that I wanted you to take a look at. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. This is what this means. Check out this next one. It says, Jerusalem is basically the equivalent of like Pilgrim in Houston. 
That's what that text is talking about. Like, it's close, it's personal, it's in your backyard, it's kind of right in your face. Judea and Samaria is, is a broader region, okay? Think of that as kind of, in our world today, kind of Texas or even the broader United States. And then, of course, the ends of the earth is worldwide. The book of Acts is, is actually about kind of the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the early church. And the early church goes through this same cycle, the same cycle that even the children of Israel went through. The same cycle, believe it or not, if you ever thought about it, that you go through. There are these blessing moments, favor moments, high five moments. Isn't God awesome and amazing? Oh, this feels good. And then it's followed by wilderness, difficulty, hardship, loneliness. Without question. Some of you in here, I, I've had couples in my office and they'll want to improve their communication. They'll want to improve the quality of their marriage. They'll want to have a deeper prayer life. They've decided that they want something completely different than they've ever had before in their marriage. And, and as sure as I'm standing here, I will tell them, without question, man, that's awesome. Praise Jesus. That's great. Let's pray together. Oh, just one little disclaimer. Let me warn you. The bullseye on your back just got bigger. Aww. In other words, what's following all of this desire for spiritual depth and for spiritual growth and have a more meaningful marriage and a more meaningful relationship will be followed by, for whatever reason, inexplicably so, if you haven't figured out where it's coming from spiritually, you'll have a hint today. All of a sudden, the arguments, the fights, Maybe all of a sudden you've decided and, and God has worked in your spirit to let go of some kind of a grudge, let go of some kind of a past, let go of something that's happened, and uh, lo and behold, it won't be 24, 48, 72 hours later, all of a sudden something from your past is going to get thrown in your face. There's the water, there's the wilderness, there's blessing, a declaration over your life, and then there's hardship and difficulty. Now, I want to kind of give you a backstory so you understand the text that we're going to look at this morning. Exodus 4.22 would say this. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. That's Exodus 4.22. Now, you need to understand this. Israel, in the Old Testament, was God's firstborn son. Actually, the book of Hosea would even say, out of Israel I called my son. Who's he talking about? The children of Israel. So God in the Old Testament looked at the children of Israel as his firstborn son. And that's really, really significant when we look at this out of the water into the wilderness experiences. Because that's exactly what happens to Jesus. Jesus is in Judea. And that's what we're looking at today is Judea out of our text, Acts 1.8. And so our text picks up in Matthew 3.13 through 411. You can follow along on the, on the screen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
Now you have to understand John the Baptist, he's out in the desert, right? And he's calling people out of the city, out into the the desert. He's calling the descendants of Israel. Remember God's firstborn son, God's son? He's calling them back out into the desert to remember their ID, to remember who they really, really were. And John's baptism is that of what? It's of repentance. So he's saying, come back out to the desert and remember who you were. He brings people out from the city, back out into the desert, and he's baptizing them. Here Jesus shows up. Jesus doesn't need to be baptized. He's the son of God. Him and God are good, okay? Everything's just fine with Jesus. But Jesus, being like people, to stand in their place, he's baptized, the heavens open up, and the Father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. In other words, Jesus standing amidst his firstborn son, Israel, now the one taking the place of all of Israel, my firstborn son, Israel, I am now well pleased because the one that stands in your place will do everything that you could never do. He'll get it right. And this is what's amazing about Jesus' life is in that moment, he is given an identity that, that is, it was already what it was. He's always been the son of God. It was always, but now it's been proclaimed. It's like it's official to everyone in the area. His ministry is about to kick off. Matter of fact, Jesus would look like this. If we had his ID right here. I'll show you what Jesus' ID, there it is. Look at that. There's his driver's license, right? Here are some of, by the way, some of the worst fake IDs that you could find. These all made the top five list. Check this next one out. Look at this. This young man is from Nelson Mandela House. Bad move, okay? That never gets you into the club. Here, check this one out. How about this guy? If you're ever going to have a fake ID, it's a good idea not to put an A-list celebrity on your ID, like Jack Nicholson, okay? That's not a good idea. That was Ricardo Sergio from Brazil. Not a good idea. How about this one? This guy wanted to establish so bad that he was old enough to drink, he literally shows himself drinking on his fake ID. Here, look at this one. You got to nail the gender, okay? You, you got to get that right. You're not a boy. Okay, here's, here's this last one. Bro, you can love your girl, okay? You, you two could be all about it. Here's what you can't do. You can't put her picture in your picture on your fake ID. My goodness. Here's what Matthew 4, 1 to 11 says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Mark 1 verse 12 would actually put it this way. It was at once. Out of the water into the wilderness. The Father looks at the Son and says, this is your ID. Here it is. It's real, everyone. Genuine. He stands in your place and all people through him will be saved out of the water into the wilderness and so we're clear water is blessing it's promise it's a declaration it's an identity the wilderness though is temptation and testing wilderness is actually where the identity that you're given is affirmed and confirmed doesn't last forever sometimes the wilderness in your life may you may think it's going to last forever but it's only for a season 
Some of you in here, you had high, these wonderful high five moments, these wonderful moments where you knew God was with you and God was blessing you, followed by unbelievably difficult moments. And for some of you, if you look back on it, it was actually in the wilderness when you became way more aware of your need for Jesus was in the wilderness. For some of you, it was in the wilderness when you became that much clearer, really who you really were, really what you were actually about. For some of you, your identity was discovered truly when you had nothing left, when it was all stripped away in the wilderness. See, the wilderness is necessary. It affirms what God says. Because what's about to happen here is huge. Because you see, Jesus is going to change in his ministry. No sooner is he out of the water, what scripture says is he is into the wilderness. And where is he going to go? He's going to go into the desert. How long were the children of Israel in the desert? 40 years. How long is he going to be in the desert? 40 days. What was it they used to grumble about? Food. What is he going to do? He's going to go without food. Who are they worried about in the desert? The children of Israel, God's firstborn. The power and the strength of the enemy of Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. What's he going to do? He's going to go into the desert. And the enemy he's going to take on is Satan himself. And the first thing that Satan is going to throw at him is the same thing that he throws at everybody in this room. Is your ID, your ID given by God, is it real or is it a fake? Is it a counterfeit? Is the ID that God has given you, do you believe it? Do you believe that it can be changed? Do you believe that that laminate can be pulled back and you can scribble that little number and all of a sudden you're something different? Do you believe that the world, sin, and Satan has the power to alter that ID? Do you believe that the ID that God gave you even in your baptism or in your life actually can look as cheesy as the last five that you just looked at? Well, Jesus is about to find that out. Because it's in this environment when there's not only temptation, there's also testing. God won't tempt you, but God will test you for a season in the desert. Let me tell you what that looked like for me. You know what my water moment was in this church? My water moment in this church was the day I was ordained as your pastor. I will never forget taking a knee up here and having all of these godly men praying over me. I will never forget Pastor Pineman, the man that baptized me, play, praying a blessing over me right over there. I'll never forget that as long as I lived. And then meeting all of you and that whole experience, it was overwhelming. It was beautiful. It was amazing. For me, that was my water moment. And I have to tell you, there were, there's been other unbelievable out-of-the-water moments that I've had here that have been beautiful. For me, that was the high point. And there's been several others, but I can also tell you, even as the pastor, there's been times that right on the heels of that, just like this scripture, out of the water, into the wilderness. That quick. And we had a scenario just a few weeks ago. It was pretty rough. It was, it was, a, it was a stress and a strain on not only myself, but, but Pastor Kevin as well. Things were pretty pretty intense and pretty difficult. They were starting to weigh on me. I started questioning identity, 
started questioning, what am I, do I, do I know what I'm doing here? Am I doing the right thing here? What's, like, like, what's going on? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do, God? Am I on the path that you want me on? It's the same question, see? An $80,000 degree doesn't, doesn't keep me immune to the same realities. What am I doing here? What do, you, what do you want me? What do you want me to do? And I have to tell you, it was strange that when the moment got to its worst day, the high point, the pinnacle of difficulty, I had three missed calls on my phone. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The worst day was Friday. When did I finally check the voicemails? Friday. Three missed calls, each a minute long. Pastor call, uh, the voice on the other end of the line says, hi, uh, I'm the head of the call committee of this church here in Texas, one of the largest churches in Texas. And hey, uh, uh, we, have, we have two campuses, we have a, a thriving school. Uh, we would love for you to think about being on this, uh, you know, kind of being open to maybe a call, um, uh, being senior pastor designate for a year, uh, and then you would move into being uh, the senior pastor. And oh, by the way, you'll have enough money right out of the gate to hire an associate pastor. And I thought to myself, I happen to know a great one. And so then he keeps, keeps talking, and I finally interrupted him. And I talked to him from that point after the uh, interruption. I said, you know, can I just kind of give you some context? And I shared with him some of my water moments. And then I shared with him some of my wilderness moments. And then I said, uh, I need you just to know, uh, leaders have to stay. And I love it here. No matter what happens, no matter how long the wilderness lasts, whether it ends tomorrow, it goes on for three years, got to stay. There's always options to find a shortcut out of what God wants to do in the wilderness. The temptation was to react in a way to a person during the high point of that whole issue that was not godly at all. And the test was, hey man, if you want to bolt, there's the door. You can do the whole pastor thing. You can claim the Holy Spirit told me to go. Nope. The wilderness is necessary. And I got to tell you, I know there are beautiful water moments coming. I know it. That's God's character. But you don't want to short circuit this moment. And if you're in it and it hurts and it stinks and it's hard, there's temptation and there's testing. Don't take the shortcut. Sit in it. Because what God is doing is he's affirming and confirming to you in the wilderness that ID, that it wasn't a fake. It wasn't fraudulent. That it was real. See? And that's what's happening in this moment with Jesus. And so we have this responsibility, see, as the church, because you're going to have your own wilderness moments. And you're living in, for some of you, in those wilderness moments. I'd even ask you, what is your wilderness? What is it for you? Is it health? Marriage? Is it your career? Maybe you know exactly what that is right now. 
You need to know God doesn't keep you in the wilderness. You need to be encouraged to know that. The only person that ever walked in the wilderness alone was Jesus. You're never alone in that mess. You're never alone in that wilderness, ever. And the water's coming. It's coming. And you have a God that uniquely understands the human condition, uniquely understands human suffering, uniquely understands the trials and temptations that you're all dealing with, every last one of you. And so when we see people that are in the wilderness, we have a responsibility. We have a very sincere, honest, before God responsibility to engage. We're not called to be on the sidelines. That's why, I mean, I'll just give you some statistics here. Um, approximately 79,000 minors and youths are victims of sex trafficking in Texas. 234,000 workers are victims of labor trafficking. 313,000 victims of human trafficking in Texas. $600 million exploited from victims of labor trafficking in Texas. Minor and youth sex trafficking costs in the state of Texas exceeds or is around $6.6 billion. The church can't sit in one of the most, if not the hub of trafficking in all of its shapes and forms and just kind of look at it, pass by, and hope someone else deals with it. That's our job. That's our role to engage darkness, period. There it is. We've given you an announcement about what's happening on in, in North Carolina. We have a responsibility to engage our brothers and sisters who are going through what we all just went through a year ago. So it's not just about being a fan club. It's not just about having like a nice seat and watching the world explode right in front of our eyes. It's also about engaging. When we see people that are caught in the wilderness, we're called to go with them. We're called by the grace of Jesus and the mercy and the power of the mission that he's given us to help pull them out and let them know that there are moments of water, refreshment, victory, peace, hope, a future. That's our role. And so what I want to help give us a context of is if you're in the wilderness this morning and you're struggling in your wilderness, I want you to be equipped to understand the three strategies that Satan uses to bring you down. And if you're in the wilderness this morning, one of these three is going to be you. And so take it and watch what Jesus does with it. It's fascinating. Satan only has the same games over and over again. Here's what he does. Here it is. Verse 2. So Jesus is led out in the wilderness. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, now what did Jesus, what did the father say about the son? Right? This is my son whom I love. This is his identity. This is my son whom I love. Here he is, right? What's the first thing Satan goes after? If you are the son of God. What's he going after? Is your ID a real or a fake? Do you know who you are, Jesus? Or are you a counterfeit? Tell these stones to become bread. Translation. Do you know who you are? And by the way, why don't you just solve your own problem then? 
See, why don't you just white knuckle and control everything around you and maybe you can become your own little God and just manipulate things and why don't you just get things to be fixed on your terms right now, outside of the will of the Father. Just take control and do it your way right now. And how does he get him pulled into that? He looks at him and just goes, do you know who you are? Here's Jesus' response. Jesus' answer is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. What does he do? What does he go after now? If you are the son of God, I'm just circling back on the whole identity thing. If you really are, Who the Father said you are. Watch this. Throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Whose ID did he go after now? The Father. If you are the Son of God, if you really are, why don't you throw yourself off this cliff? Because what we'll find out then is one of two things about the Father. If he is who you say he is. And maybe you can relate to this. If the Father really is a good, good Father, right, that we like to sing, right, well, surely then He's powerful enough to catch you. And if He's powerful enough, surely He's loving enough to exercise that power to catch you. What does Satan love to do? You mess up, you fall into a rut, you start struggling, you start falling into a a whole issue maybe from your past or issues that you're dealing with, and if he can get you to start second-guessing your identity in Jesus, that it's a counterfeit or a fake, or that circumstances and situations have the power to change that identity that you have in Jesus, if he can get and convince you that the Father, in fact, either doesn't have the love for you to do anything in your life, or even if he has the love, he doesn't actually have the power He's either impotent or disinterested. Then he's got you. So Satan first goes after the identity of the son. Then he goes after the identity of the father. Here's Jesus' response. Verse 7. Jesus answered him and is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Watch this. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. We just spent 10 weeks describing that Satan is the counterfeit father, the fake heavenly father, the knockoff heavenly father. First he goes after, do you know who you are? Then he goes after, do you know who your father is? And his third attack is the relationship itself. He said you are his son and he said he loved you. Why don't you just worship me? Get rid of him and worship me. Matter of fact, I'll take care of all of your temporal needs right now. I'll take care of all of your issues right now. I'll solve all of your problems. Hey, heaven is taken care of. Don't you worry about heaven. We'll get to that later, okay? That's eternity stuff. Let's just worry about right now. Don't worry about, let's worry about how we live right now. And if you'll just worship me on this earth, right? I'll take care of all of your needs, all of your problems, all of your concerns. Now, no one here is going to get pulled into worshiping the devil, right? Okay, that's, that's extreme. And you wouldn't even listen to me if that's what I said anyways. But maybe I can get you to worship your career. Maybe I can get you to worship your money. 
Maybe I can get you to find security and a sense of yourself in something else that is far, far, far from the will and the very person of God. I can get your mind and your heart to meditate on things that are far from the will of the Father. That's how he works. And so what I, I, I want you to get this morning, Jesus walked in the wilderness alone. Jesus took on Satan, the gates of hell, and all evil alone. Jesus would die on a cross alone. All of that he would do alone so that you never will have to know what that's even remotely like. When you're in the wilderness, you're not alone. When you're struggling, you're not alone. When you are literally at the gate and at the moment of death, you're not alone. That is what the Son went through in perfection, see? This is why the Father is well-pleased with you and with me, because through the Son, we're perfect, man. Perfect, flawless. We are a child that He delights in, every last single one of us. And so if you're in the wilderness this morning, you're not alone. If you're in the wilderness this morning, know that there are water moments coming. Know that you have a Heavenly Father that deeply loves you. He's with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, Jesus. When we look at the wilderness that some of us are in, it seems like it can last forever. God, we know that you are doing a work within our lives. We may not always understand it, what the purpose is, why we're enduring what we're enduring. Some of us can look back to our lives and feel like it was years of struggles and trials. God, we ask that you would, you would move in on our hearts, our minds, our lives. That we know that you're not only with us, but you are affirming your identity and your love within us. That that would become all the clearer, no matter what we deal with, Jesus. We love you so much, God. It's in your beautiful name. Amen.